welcome to The Village Lantern, a podcast for families living with hidden challenges such as autism and other neurodiverse conditions, and for anyone else wanting to understand, love and support. Our mission is to build understanding, empathy and love for families living with one or more children who have hidden conditions that make life harder in one way or another. We call this Extra Zing. clubs always get told you know just stick to football just stick to football but I think AFL clubs have such a big reach very strong brand if you can help help people and educate you know get awareness out there and and help like I said be silly not to the biggest benefit we've found is the the interaction and the confidence got kids who've come in really nervous and shy at the start and then being able to you know confidently run around and talk and um, yeah it's it's pretty big yeah that that, that's why we do what we do I guess yeah Hello, Village listeners. I hope you're all as well as can be. I'm here again without my sidekick, Jordan. As you may know, Jordan's been really busy with his impossibly hectic and full schedule. I've been living the same old busy, chaotic life, dragging myself through every day and doing my best. But this has meant it's been really hard for us to find time that suits us to both get together. Jordan was actually unable to join me for this interview, which I know hurts really bad for him. Because in this interview, we talked to another amazing AFL club doing incredible things to support the kids and families like ours. I'm sorry, Jordan. I really am. I know you would have had lots of interesting questions and observations for this one. In this episode, I talked to Kate Shearlaw from the St Kilda Football Club. I met Kate when Millie's physio, Zoe, suggested we find some sports programs to add to her therapies. Zoe shared a website called Access for All Abilities Play which you can find at aaaplay.org.au. I was so thrilled to find a whole lot of different offerings that appealed to Millie. But the Saints Play program run by the St Kilda football team and led by Kate was the first on our list. Long-time listeners will know that Millie is obsessed with AFL. But before now, it was only as a passionate fan. So when we found this, we signed up straight away. Kate is an impressive human on many levels. She recently started as a program coordinator for Saints Play, but she's also a seasoned professional athlete and plays for the AFLW Saints team. In this interview, we talk about the program, the Saints Footy Club, AFLW, and the Saints' heartwarming story of culture and inclusion, and also about how much a program like this means to Millie and to our family. I must admit, I did feel pretty frustrated about how long it took me to find out about these programs, but I'm really pleased I can share it with you now both the Saints Play program as well as all the other offerings on the Access for All Abilities Play website. I hope you love it, guys. Bye. I'm very pleased today to welcome Kate Shearlaw from the Saints Football Club. Thanks, Kate, for coming. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Kate is the Community Engagement Support Officer for the Saints Football Club. And you were just telling me before that you're only three months into the role. So it'll be interesting to hear what those first three months have been like. But Kate, you run a program at the Saints called Play Saints. Saints Play Saints, All Abilities. Yeah. Saints Play All Abilities. And yep. I met you when I brought my daughter to the footy program and uh, I was thrilled to find a program that's designed for kids 
who are either on the spectrum or ADHD or have, I think you said, intellectual or developmental delay or disorder. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about the program? And um, I imagine it existed before you came, is that right? Yeah. So like you mentioned, I'm only three months into my tenure, I guess. Um, but there was a lady at the Saints called Lisa Lang who had a big passion for in the community sort of space and creating as many opportunities for children to play football or be involved in football as possible. So she had a dream to allow everyone who had intellectual disabilities and developmental challenges to be able to play football. So she she sort of pioneered a program along with um, studies through Deakin University. So the Saints and the Deakin University had a partnership. Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. What, were the, what was Deakin contributing? Um, so they, they mainly were in the research space. So, you know, the Saints had the idea around what the program could look like and Deacon sort of pioneered the, the research behind that. Um, and what did that, was that, which department was that, do you know? I'm not sure. No, no. And so research around how to make adjustments for the, for these, for this audience, is that what that was? Yeah. And, and also the need for the, need for the program in that, in that area. Yes. So um, the Bayside region is very big, very dense. And the studies show one in five children have intellectual disabilities or developmental challenges. So yeah. um, there's, the, there's a need for the program and there's, there's not many programs out there for this sort of thing. No. So um, yeah, they did a lot of research and Amazing. Um, that sort of stuff to find out that we can run the program and it will be successful. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I'd love to hear, to know more about that. It's so nice, or, well, encouraging or, um, yeah, encouraging to know that such work is being done out there and recognising the need because mm. it's absolutely, I mean, one of the things I find so hard is to find the programs, but then I feel really annoyed that they have been exi- in existence for mm. like years and I didn't know about them. Yep. And so I also feel like it's so important to try and find different ways to get the word out. Mm. So Auskick um, is like a numbers-based thing, you know, across Australia. So many participants, you know, play Auskick. There's a number of clubs, like you're all measured on how many clubs you have, how many participants you have, that sort of thing. But um, I think Saints plays a lot more more about like making a like a significant difference to each person. So it's not so much like a dense um, numbers-based sort of thing. It's more making a uh, difference to a child's life. So it's a lot less, yeah, numbers-based and more... What, what difference can we make? Yeah. yeah, so good. It's so good. I, I mean, it, my daughter, Millie, um, loves footy, always has. And we talk quite a lot about, you know, when she was younger, it was one of her special interests. I think it died off a little bit during COVID because you couldn't really, it was sort of harder to mm. get involved. But she, um, she's been obsessed with it for ages and more in watching the game. But I think in time she's been watching her brothers go off and, and do, you know, team sports. And I think she's starting to feel like she wants to do that too. I know the Auskick, the study showed there was, I think, 53 Auskick programs in the Bayside region and only three were catered towards these sort of children. So definitely the studies showed that there is there is a need and not enough yeah. not enough out there. I mean, across all the, all the types of extracurricular things that kids might want to do, and uh, it's taken me a while to work out what Millie's needs are in terms of participating in programs. And for the first few years that she was joining programs, she was just going along with her brothers in mainstream. But each year that's gone by and she's struggled more and more, it's just become really clear that she needs to be in special programs. And so I've only just really started looking actively probably in the last maybe 12 months. And uh, it was actually our 
physiotherapist who suggested this website where you guys were listed and it was so good to find it because she walked in, she was comfortable, I mean, within a few minutes and participating straight away and I could just see how happy she was. She I could tell in the way that she was holding herself, she was really proud and so, so comfortable because without that level of safety, you can't participate, you know, you're too sort of distressed with all the other anxiety. So Yeah, well, a general Auskick has hundreds of kids and there's noises and outside area, so many things going on. Too much chaos. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And I think I remember one time I took her to basketball and it was inside a basketball, like a school hall. And it was so loud. There was, I don't know, 40 kids in there. And you can imagine 40 basketballs <laughs> banging around. around. Yeah. And she just couldn't cope. And when I mentioned it to the psychologist, she was just like, she just shook her head. She was like, it's just the, no, you no. can't go there. That's not. And I'm still, now I feel like I understand more, but it's still understanding what sort of environments are really um, like out of favour and what, what's going to work and what's not. It's and each, taken me a long time. And each child is so different. Yes. So it's the same for us as coaches and all the other coaches we've got. We've tried to diversify the coaches a lot. So we've got um, Shannon who's from the blind team. So he's got like lived experience. Um, a couple of the others have a lot of different experiences working with children. So we're all learning every day that we do it and every child that comes into the program is so different. So trying to tailor it. Because we've got more coaches to children ratio than, say, an Auskick, we can really tailor it towards what children we have in the program. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, I think that's, you know, in some ways it's, it, they're, I mean, of course they're better off because they're comfortable, but they get a better experience because it's they, they get to develop a closer relationship with another person and build that, you know, um, connection with someone else as well, which can be harder to do if there's one for... 30 kids or whatever And for it is. a lot of them, the trust is is the biggest part because there's some that wouldn't participate at all um, until they have that rapport and trust and you can develop, like you said, really easily or a lot easier with more coaches to start um, participants. So, yeah, yeah that, that's a big part of it, I think. Yeah, it is. Um, Millie's only been, I think only once because she was unwell last week, but I just saw the kids coming in so happily so comfortable. It looked like some of them had been coming for quite a long time as well. Yeah, I think we've got a good core of maybe 12 to 15 loyal, regular participants. So once they've sort of developed that relationship, the parents find it really hard for them not to come. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about building, like we've got a really strong base and now just try and build and get more, more children aware and comfortable in the environment. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. I want to get to the Saints in a minute because it sounds like it's really consistent with the broader cultural values of the saints. But just before we do that, just if you can tell me a little bit more about um, what your goals are. So you said you've got some ambitions to grow, is that right? Yeah. So I guess the short-term plan will be just to solidify the program we've got now and provide the best program for the participants that we've got in the program. Um, I guess because I'm so new to the role, the saints are really like investing in this area. So my position has sort of come about because of that. So I'm really here to like grow the program moving forward. So yeah, getting the awareness out there um, and continually growing the program is is the main goal for me moving yeah. forward. And I think even bigger than that, broader um, goals that I probably have personally is to maybe transition to adults as well, because there's a growing need for that as well. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. I, I'm hearing so much, uh, this is more from a medical support perspective of parents struggling because when their kids hit 18, they're not considered children anymore and they have to go and, and sort of engage with adult providers. And it did make me think you don't hear as much about 
or maybe it's also because I'm not looking at this stage, but there does seem to be quite a big focus and objective of focusing on kids. But I, I do wonder what does happen as, as people get older and maybe there's less opportunities for them to connect in yeah, the community. Yeah, there, there definitely is. And yeah. we've, we've had, I, mean, I know even since I've started, I've had a few emails of parents who have older children. Well, not, they're not children anymore. They're mm. becoming adults and they're looking for programs to keep them involved and that sort of thing. So there definitely is the need and I think developmentally and like, like for confidence and all that sort of thing, I think it's yeah, super important. Yeah, and for community, you know. So, I mean, that's the thing that's so nice about all these things is that they they give you that. So it's our physio who suggested it because obviously participating in that way really reinforces the work that she's been doing in physio for her coordination and gross motor and hand-eye, all that kind of thing. But also being a part of something, like having a group of people that you see every week that you, you know, um, I mean, <laughs> Millie was so proud of herself after she went that first time that she taped up her ankle and then hobbled into school. She was not injured, but she wanted to say, I did it at footy last night. That is so sweet. Yeah, because she, I could just straight away, she wanted to identify with it. She wanted to people to know that she'd been doing footy. And even I think I mentioned to you, because <laughs> one of the parents mentioned that there had at some point also been a a second class yeah, in the Thursday week, night, Thursday. Yeah. And Millie said to me, can, after Tuesday, the next day, can I go again on Thursday? And she ran around. Like she had a red face. She was exhausted. Uh, you know, uh, that took effort for her. And in another parallel universe, she would have just said, I'm too tired. That was too hard. I don't want to. But she wanted to go again on Thursday. I just thought that was huge. It said so much about how yeah, how well awesome. it suited her. I think it's also creating a community for the parents as well. So the Auskick community for the parents is huge. So being able to have parents and families with similar challenges that everyone faces, um, being able to connect with them is really, really cool as it's, well. It's, yeah, absolutely right. It's true. It's such a such an important thing. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I created this podcast is in order to share those stories. So for other parents to be able to hear a similar story and relate to it um, and also not to feel alone, to know that, oh, there are other people, so many other people out there living the same kind of challenges and being able to connect with each other, you know, hear each other's stories. I mean... I often say it's sometimes really hard to talk to parents with neurotypical kids because you can't tell some of the things that you've been living because it's too shocking or it's too far away from what they... From their reality. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you have to, and then it ends up being your, another thing you have to deal with their surprise or shock or, you Bit know... Of judgment as yeah. well, potentially. Oh, plenty, plenty, yeah. plenty. Yeah. And, I feel like they're, like if the children at the program, you know, one might be having a really bad day and needs to go to the sensory space or is just you know, running amok really, but you can't, like the parents understand and, and completely sort of see what's going on and um, same as the coaches. So there's no anger and judgment and that sort of thing, which creates a more safe space as well. It's it's huge. And, you know, I've, I've said this quite a bit, it's the hardest thing, well, not that I know, I'm sure there's plenty of hard things, but from, from my parenting perspective, it's absolutely the hardest thing that I've had to adjust to, but it's opened up a whole new world for me that otherwise I would not have been able to experience or even know was out there. And that is that love of that, for the people, whether it's the parents or the kids or the people like you who are creating opportunities, that love and that tolerance and that, um, I don't know, just that commitment and effort to, to give extra, it's beautiful. And, you know, you can, I know you can, 
you can focus on the things that are hard a lot, but there's a lot of really beautiful things that come with this community or, you know, any kind of community, I suppose, that have a shared experience. Mm, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you mentioned the Saints are keen to invest more in this program. I did a little bit of research. Some listeners will know that I'm sorry to say we're not Saints fans in this home. That's fine. <laughs> we, That's another thing we should add about the program is it's not just a St Kilda, oh, yes. um, for St Kilda fans and that it's for everyone. So yeah, of course. You don't course. have to go for the Saints and yeah. you have to wear Saints uniform yeah. to go. Well, it's funny, when we lived in Sydney, um, the local, I think it was an Auskick program, the kids had to learn to sing the Sydney song. And my husband was just kind of horrified because it's like early indoctrination, you know, of the yeah, children, yeah. they become sort of a little, a little bit, yeah. But I mean, now you're going to be one of our second favourite teams for sure. So there's absolutely that benefit. Um, but I, I read that the tagline, or maybe it's their their sort of core value is we rise together, or together we rise. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm all about together is better. That's one of my favourite kind of hashtags if I'm posting on anything. But I assume that that's throughout the club, that sense of together we rise. How much do you know about that? I know you're new to the club, but how much do you hear that and feel that in the... Yeah, definitely. So together we rise. I think being a St Kilda person, you... We've won one premiership in I think 150 years we've been around. So we've been knocked down a lot and the fans and the members and those sort of things are very loyal. When we do turn it around, it's not just the on-field success that we're craving, but like these sort of programs, we're rising by doing this sort of stuff as well. So rising on the field and off the field together is we do it you know, staff, players, the community as well. I think that's the we, like all of us mm. um, outside of the club as well. Um, and then, yeah, rising, just not on field but off field. So it's pretty powerful, very simple tagline, but something that we can all, if we work together and keep moving in the right direction, then success will come both on field and off field. I love it. I lo- how long, do you know how long that's been the, their sort of ethos? Um, I don't know for sure because I'm in the women's program and we've, we've had it the last year, so I think maybe two years before that as well. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not 100%. Yeah, no, sure. that's. I just. I mean, look, it doesn't matter. It's beautiful. If it makes you feel any better, I grew up in a Fitzroy home, so I feel you. I know. Yeah, and maybe that's why I'm less interested in football because it seemed like such a sad thing. Yeah, it's every. always. And it's then, always a struggle. Oh, my, and so my my. Family now follow Brisbane, but... There's a tagline at the club. I can't remember exactly the words, but Alan Jeans, who coached the last flag, 1966, I think it was, he's said something, it's a quote, and he said something like, to win a premiership is great, but to win a premiership for St Kilda would make you immortal. So it's just like, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's like a, an extra drive. It's kind of like a weight that sort of sits on yes, yeah, players, everyone. staff, everyone's sort of shoulders without, you can't see it, but you can definitely feel it. Yeah. Well, in Fitzroy, it was, it's time to roar like 44. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously it was nice when Brisbane, when they had some some wins in that time, it was good. Um, but so the other thing I noticed when I was reading about the Saints was that there's quite a lot of programs in the sort of inclusion banner. It looks like there's an Indigenous focus, multiculturalism, a wheelchair and blind players, as well as a commitment to pride and reconciliation causes. So obviously there's there's a lot of love in the club and a, and, and a passion to kind of really try and include all the different people who might otherwise find it hard to participate. How much do you hear about these other... Pro- Is there like an inclusion team that you guys all kind of come together and share your experiences? Yeah, so there's... I guess football clubs always get told, you know, just stick to football, just stick to football. But I think AFL clubs have such a big reach very strong brand. It'd be silly not to, you know, sort of if you can help help people and educate, you know, get awareness out there and, and help, like I said, like you'd be silly not to. So we are we have like our CEO Matt Finnis is huge in this space, very passionate about the community. So 
um, when you've got someone like that as your leader, you, you know, you're going to be um, leaders in this space. And I think Saints are one of the leading clubs, like you said, We've got the NGA scholarships through the multicultural and the Indigenous players, which is huge, and then the wheelchair and the blind team as well. Then the Saints play that I do, and then we've got we're pretty big in the um, Pride space and the Indigenous space. So, and I know through the AFLW we've been we've been able to put a big footprint in those sort of areas as well. So I know we've got Auntie Katrina Amon who's come into the club in the Indigenous space and she has just been incredible. What does she do? Um, she's the Indigenous player welfare manager. I think that's her role. Um, not sure exactly the, mm. the name, but mm. she's sort of, she's through storytelling, she's been able to help the players, the staff, and just like create awareness and keep driving that because we've got the reconciliation action plan that we've got for the Indigenous side of things, but... Yeah, she's just been huge, like just creating awareness through her stories. And you know, when you walk into the club, we, we're sort of, we're going on, it's called a Yawa, which is like our journey. So that's part of the Together We Rise. We're on a journey as a club and she's driven that really, really well. I know one of the games we had seven Indigenous players playing in one game, which was humongous. Um, I've got goosebumps. Yeah. It's- and we drafted a, an AFLW, Indigenous AFLW player, Janome Anderson, and that, that's just like huge. So it's just un, like you can't be what you can't see. And I think mm. we, we're probably leading, you know, that sort of space and the LGBTIQ space as well. And then plus the diversity and inclusion in like Saints play in the wheelchair on the blind teams. So there's a lot going on. Um, we have got the community team covers, you know, all of it in different roles. But yeah, we all sort of work towards the same same goals, mm. and that's just getting as many people opening doors to football as possible. It's so it's so true, and it's it's true. I, I did actually interview the Hawks last season, and one of my sort of opening questions was that, you know, you say it'd be silly not to, but it's actually a responsibility of mm. the football clubs, isn't it? Because yep. they do have so much influence, and obviously that can go the wrong way when the young players make mistakes, and you know that's bad role modelling, but. It's true. It's not wouldn't be enough just to do football yep. because the fact that it's so ingrained in our culture, especially in Melbourne, it's it is. It's a real responsibility, and it's a, it's wonderful that your CEO is really committed. I mean, you can't get these things off the ground unless yep. you've got support from the top because they have to prioritize it. They have to fund it. That's it's it's so really inspiring. You're in the a- AFLW team, yeah, and so you're a. Um, you can't see Kate listeners, but she's six foot one, like very impressive. Thanks, Mum and Dad. <laughs> no, well, you're very, you're lucky and you look like, you, you do look like a footy player. Um, how long have you been playing football for? Um, I started in 2017, so I'm pretty late to footy, um, as a lot, a lot of the girls are. So I'm in my 30s now, so I started quite late. Um, but were you playing other... other? Yeah, players? I was playing basketball and athletics before that. Yeah, yeah. Late because it just wasn't really... Like, where yeah. were you going to go with it? It just wasn't... Like, because I'm from Adelaide, it really wasn't an option yeah. when I was younger. Did you wish it? What Did you love it? Yeah, I, I was obsessed. Oh. Um, yeah, I used to kick the ball around the backyard pretending I was Kudafides and that sort of thing. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, it just wasn't an option. So there was no pathway... Um, I always wanted to play professional sports, so I, you know, went down the, the the sports where I was able to do that, and then was really lucky that it sort of came on the back end of my my sort of sporting oh, career, I guess. Oh, that's yeah. I guess it does sort of run out, doesn't it? It's one of those mm. things that is quite ageous, unfortunately. Yeah. and you look yeah. at the like some of my teammates now, eighteen, have been playing since they were five, and oh, yeah, it's 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 incredible now that when we started AFLW twenty seventeen, they were twelve, thirteen year olds watching the TV, yes. looking up and. Um, it's pretty scary to think that in five, ten years the league will be full of 
kids that have played since they were five, which yes, is yeah, it's amazing. amazing. It is amazing. Mm. And it's it's interesting that you say that because there's a little bit of grief, isn't there, about that, that you didn't get that opportunity. Like I see that a little bit when I see programs like this coming or new things coming about that like I know, for example, Australia will get there at some point in education, but it'll be way too late for my child. Yeah. And so when you see that you're thrilled, but you're also like, oh, if only, yeah, if only that of, I could yeah, have had. Yeah, a bit of a missing out on Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. And I mean, I, I am really lucky in that I have had, I've been able to get six, seven, eight years out of playing as opposed to, you know, people older than me who never got an opportunity to play in an AFLW environment or even just a local footy. Um, yeah. There's so many more girls playing now that, you know, 20, 30 years ago wouldn't have been playing. So I am grateful in that I have had an opportunity, but yeah, yeah. there is a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. If only I'd been kicking a football properly since I was five. Yeah. I mean, it's nice that you work for the Saints. Do a lot of players work as well? Um, there's I mean, a few, yeah. There's a, So we've got um, two arms to the community area. So there's an the education side where there's a few players that have teaching backgrounds and those sort of things so that they run education programs in schools. And then there's the diversity inclusion side, which is where I work. So there's, there's a few that sort of help out casually because um, we've got a lot of the younger kids coming through who have a bit of time and yep. with their union and those sort of things. So yep. um, there's a couple of us who work full time and then a couple of the younger ones who yep. sort of chip in when they have some time. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. It's great. I think it's, I'm, I'm so thrilled for you as well that you got to to get involved in that. So can you tell us like a bit more about the program, how it's structured, what its objectives are and that kind of thing? Yep. So we run a program that aligns with the school term. So 10 weeks, once a week at the moment, we're hoping to grow that, but at the moment it's once a week, Tuesday nights, 4.30 to 5.30 PM at RACA Park Moorabbin, so on the basketball court. Yeah. So we run that 10 weeks for the term and then we have school holiday programs in the school holidays. So it's pretty busy. Um, there's lots of programs available. Yeah. Awesome. And because I, I, I loved all the drills because it, it just looks like you watch any footy training and then you're doing the drills, the same kind of drills, same kind of things. Do the kids ever get to play a game? Yeah, so we try to keep it really adaptable because on, on any day, any moment, things can change. So yeah. we sort of have a plan going into the night, but anything can happen. So we're really adaptable and we try to keep it a, a balance between really inclusive and fun and, and teaching skills and a little bit of football, like obviously as well. At the end of each session, we usually have some sort of team activity, whether it's a game or an obstacle course or something where both groups sort of come together and play a game sort of thing. In terms of an actual game, probably towards the end of the term where we sort of celebrate the term, we'll probably look more to have an actual game. Yeah. Um, it's just really hard because there's such a range in abilities. And, yes. Um, and the numbers as well. I mean, it's not like a game you can play with four people. Yeah, <laughs> and some people don't like... <laughs> like to be touched or some people yeah. want it because it's football. They want to, you know, like get really competitive. Yes. And so it is, it is a balance between that. But yeah, we, we do like to make things as fun as possible. Yeah. And so in terms of how you've, the adjustments that you've made, can you talk a little bit about what those, you know, what, what's different? How do you make it friendly to this community? Yeah. Well, I guess the more coaches we've got, the better it is. So there, there might be a child who isn't listening or isn't sort of responding. So another coach will go off and spend one-on-one -on -one time with them, which sometimes the participants want one-on-one -on -one time. So there is the ability for that. Um, in terms of the skills acquisition and those sort of things, there's a lot more one-on-one -on -one coaching for the participants instead of just go to the front of the line, go, off you go. It's one-by-one, -one, we'll coach and teach. And as you get to know the participants, you sort of gauge what help they want and what they need and that sort of thing. So it's just about, yeah, judging each child as, as they come and, and adapting. And the coaches, you mentioned that they've come from sort of different 
Some of them have some lived experience. Can you tell us a bit about what sort of experiences they have and also how you find the coaches? Are they volunteers or are they, how does that work? Um, good question because I'm only new to the role, but I, I know Shannon is the captain of our blind team. So he's sort of heavily involved in a lot of our community spaces. So he's he's amazing. And then I know we, we have, our coaches are trained by Amaze, which is an autism oh, yep. awesome. organisation. So we look to do that training quite regularly just to keep keep on top of things and and we get feedback from um, participants every term to make sure there's things in the program that we can do better and those sort of things. We have James Happy Hammond, who he was the sort of in my similar role. Um, he's leaving us this week, so which is really really oh, sad. I think I saw him. Was he? Does he? Does he have a limb missing? No, that's B. Oh. So yeah. So we also have a program a partnership with Homes Glen. Okay. Um, and which is where B's come from. Right. So he's he's through that um, partnership. So oh, because the kids were asking about him. Happy's, yeah, um, cute. yeah, he's amazing. He's got a um, sister who has a disability. So right. he's he's very 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 like good with the kids. He's yep. got a lived experience um, in his he, family. Where's he going? He's w- going to work with Disability Australia. Oh, oh. special Special Olympics. Oh, I think it's called. Oh, it's sort of hard to be cross about that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> so he's taking up a really like really cool role. Amazing. With them. And the, I mean, look, I think the, the the thing that must be really nice is that for all of you who work in that space. Once you've built a, like a love of an organisation, you go off somewhere else, but you carry that with you and no doubt at some point the opportunity to come back and give back and bring mm-hmm. your experience back in, I'm sure is there in, in some way or other. And seeing that like, there was one kid who has a relationship with Happy from Seaford because he coached at Seaford and he came... I think the week when you came, mm. and the he was he just wouldn't participate in anything because Happy wasn't there, and oh. that, that was his safe, safe and you know comfortable person that you know, and he just it, everything was just out of whack because oh no. Happy wasn't there. Oh no! So that it one on one hand it shows you the the impact that you know having those relationships has, but then it was, it was also hard because yeah, we want to make sure he can stay involved and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, regardless. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, we just then got to build the relationships from the from the ground up again yeah. through someone else. Yeah. The other thing that I love the idea of is that Millie, for example, I reckon she'd be an awesome coach when she's older, yep. you know. So like if you had kids who'd gone through the program who want to participate as a coach, that would be another great way to yeah, that's, integrate. Yeah, and, that, and that's like long-term, like if we have got a transition from, you know, the junior to the senior, yep. um, then that could be something that it potentially gets looked at. Yeah. yeah all these like, possibilities sort yeah. of get opened up. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, Millie went to a, a camp recently, which was amazing, called Flying Fox is the organisation. We actually interviewed the CEO recently and it was the same thing. I thought, and I spoke to, to Dean about it afterwards, that she's the kind of kid who would love to be a buddy when she's older on a camp like that. And so, you know, being able to have leadership opportunities in organisations that you've already participated in, it's such an exciting opportunity, you know, idea that you can look forward to. Yeah, well, like, we've all, like, we all sort of have, you know, aspirations to grow and to, you know, move to higher things and yeah. achieve more. And yeah. they're no different. Yeah. Like, they're, they're exactly the same as us and yeah. just need the opportunity yeah. Yeah. and the vision, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm like, I'm also thinking, like, I can imagine my husband would quite probably quite like to be a coach. Do you have, like, volunteer coaches? Um, we haven't at the moment, um, mainly because of, like, yeah, we need, we, we sort of have trained coaches and those sort of things. Yeah, but I think yeah. as the program grows, because at the moment we've got fit 12 to 15 and we've got enough coaches to cover that. Yeah. But I think as the program grows, we'll look to have a pool of, yeah. Yeah, like subbings. Yeah. Because, you know, some, some weeks you can't do it, some weeks you yeah, can. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome. That's so exciting. So the, I think I mentioned the way I found this program was through our physio and she had shared with me a website called Access for All Abilities Play. And I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes, but through that, we found a number of different opportunities, which we've been starting to engage in. And in addition to that, Jordan, who's my co-host, who was unable to join us today, I'm sure he's going to be quite disappointed. He runs a program called Hoop Now, uh, where they do basketball. And it's similar, similar program for the similar kids. And and you know, I did kind of wonder, like, it, it, do you guys ever engage with other organisations that offer something similar? Or I mean, It's, it's actually a really good question. We, we've thought about because um, in the last, since I've sort of started and we've, I've found my feet and we're now we're sort of looking forward to how we can grow, mm. um, we have definitely started to talk about how we can tap onto different programs, if it's like even if it's a camp, whether we, yes. you know, swap swap parts of the program and those sort of things. So Actually, I did mention that to Dean when I picked Millie up from camp recently. I thought that would be an awesome thing for you guys to go on one of their camps and do like a... I don't know, an hour or two program yeah. on, on the camp. Yeah. Because that's such a great way to to bring it out, that's you know, right. out and into and the they, community. Once, well, because <laughs> like, we've we found once the children get in the, into the program, it's really like their retention's pretty good. Yes. So it's just, yeah, get, getting kids comfortable and aware of it. Yeah. Um, and parents as well because you see a flyer and you might say, oh, you know, I don't really know what it's like. But yep. it, when the children try it and have a go, yep. then they love it. Um, yes. Makes it a lot easier for the families. So, yep. yeah, just swapping those sort of ideas, throwing those sort of ideas around, seeing how we can, if it, even if it's us going out to a school, yep. running the program, you know, for a 45-minute session, um, getting that awareness and the, the participation out there. Yeah, there's, there are there are actually plenty of ways. I think when we spoke also the other day, you know, the fact that this came through our physio, I'm sure that there'd be plenty of physios who'd love to be able to to be able to extend their, you know, that movement and those skills beyond a therapy session because, yep. you know, it's one of the things that I've found I'm really, really grateful for the NDIS and they've done so much for us in terms of supporting therapy. But one of the things I've spoken about with our um, local area person is that when you do therapy for once a week, it's actually, unless you can practice those skills ongoing during the week, it's very limited in terms of how much of an impact it can have. And so these types of opportunities are great ways to continue to build on that, you know, yeah. And when, yeah, I think physios, osteos, all the, the supports that the children get, if we can tap into those as well, I yeah. think. Yeah, well, even speech pathologists because that's about friendship and connection yep. and being in part of a team and teamwork and following instructions and, you know, all of that. It's There's so many parts to it that it just really brings together that, more theoretical stuff to life. Yeah, and I think the, the biggest benefit we've found is the the interaction and the confidence. The, that's probably what I've found in my short time here, the, the biggest benefit's been. Got kids who've come in really nervous and shy at the start and then being able to, you know, confidently run around and talk and, um, yeah, it's it's pretty big. And going to school with it yeah. ankle strapped. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> it's huge. And one of the one of the other kids the other day said a prayer um, at their school about and to thank God for oh, Saints don't. Play. I'm going to cry uh, now. I just oh, you hear that? You hear more and more of these little like little comments that yeah that that that's why we do what we do. I guess. Okay. Yeah. You, you've landed in such. a... am so happy for the club that they've got you because we didn't talk very much about your background. But you tell me a little bit about how you came to this role. Yeah. So I, I used to be an accountant, which. Yeah, like I love my, I love numbers and those sort of things, but it wasn't fulfilling for me. So I, I, you know, plugged away for a couple of years doing that and then decided 
um, wasn't for me. So I needed something that was more fulfilling. So helping other people was probably where my true true passion lies and people who don't have the, you know, chances and the um, opportunities that I've always had, you know, I've been very priv- privileged. So trying to open many as many doors for other people that don't have the opportunities as possible is, yeah, where my passion really lies. So I worked for a couple of years outside of the Saints for an organisation called Stylized Sports, just similar sort of programs but, you know, varying sports, going into disability centres to run them. And then when this opportunity came up at the Saints because I was already playing there, um, yeah, just aligned with all my values and, yeah, my passion. So it was perfect. Oh, it's so good. I'm so, I am so love it when I come across people who are able to bring together all their passions into their work because so often your passions end up something on the weekend or, you know, something that you feel like you never got to give enough to. And, you know, I think stepping away from an accounting role, which, yeah, I can understand on some ways might feel maybe a bit dry, but also that's a really good career. You know, it can set you up in a certain way if, if you wanted to live in a certain way. And so to walk away from that and to tap into your deep passions and to really make that your life, it's so good. Yeah, I, think I, think, it's, I think having football like really helped me with doing that because yeah. I was I was busy with football and um, yeah, doing something that you really don't like when you're, you know, you don't have, you have limited time when you're away from football. And I think Doing something that I yeah wasn't passionate about was really noticeable once I was heavily involved in football. So yeah, that that opened my eyes. Um, and I've had a few mentors at the club who've helped me um, be brave enough to make the decision to you know change and um, jump jump without knowing what you're going to sort of land in. So mm. um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty grateful. It's awesome, but it's also another example of how it's not just kicking a footy. It's not just kicking a ball, is it? Like it's there's so much about finding yourself and and believing in yourself and I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think I think the AFLW is very is quite different to the men's in that that space. I think we are leaders in in doing that sort of thing because we've got so many other things going on other than football. So we've got, you know, jobs and passions and that we that we are heavily involved in outside of footy, which actually I think helps yeah. helps well, when you come around to football. The men's football used to be like that, didn't it? Before yeah. it was like could you could earn enough money for it to be a job. You had to still have a job. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I, I'm one of the older players, but I think we all want professionalism in AFW and it will come, but I think the slow, like slow and steady in terms of balancing and not jumping straight into full-time for the young kids will be beneficial in yeah. the long run. But you know, women just tend to be multi-doers anyway, you know, yep. just because I think it's something about the way we see the world and the way we think and the way we do things. I reckon even when they're they're paid, you'll still be doing other stuff. Yeah, you know because that's just how we are. Hundred percent. Yeah, Kate, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your commitment to this community and for your time and your work and your care. It's really, I mean, as a parent, and I can speak on behalf of all parents like me that. Um, we're really, really grateful for people like you and for being role model for our kids and for giving them opportunities that bring them joy and identity and all the things we talked about. So yeah, thanks so much for having me and for allowing me to share the Saint story. And yeah, hopefully we can touch a few more children's lives. I'm sure you will. Thanks again, Kate. Thank you. All the best. Thanks. <laughs>